I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. So here's the scenario. Imagine you're a big shot regulator minding your own business, and a new company walks through the door, promising to revolutionize everything you know about digital payments and claiming to introduce peer-to-peer functionality in how people move value and money. So you have to think it through. What are these people really trying to do? What are the risks? And will it actually work? And in what way? Now imagine further that this conversation took place a year before Bitcoin was even created. And not in Singapore, New York, or the European Union, but in Kenya with a technology that would transform the country and the way in which we think about fintech innovation. This, my friends, is the story of M-Pesa. And in this week's Fintech Beat podcast, we are sitting down with Governor Patrick Jirogi, the head of Kenya's central bank, to talk about what M-Pesa has meant for Africa and larger conversations on stablecoins, CBDCs, and financial inclusion. I met up with him at the annual Washington, D.C. Fintech Week conference I organized free of charge to the public. And among a veritable list of who's who and technocratic savants that attended, Mr. Drogi stands out, just as Kenya does, in more ways than one. I am now delighted to welcome Patrick Jarogi to Fintech Week, uh, whom many of you around the world are familiar with. Uh, Mr. Jarogi is the governor of the Central Bank of Kenya and is joining us to talk about M-Pesa and the path-breaking innovation the country has initiated and the plans uh, that he has looking forward. Mr. Jarogi, thank you so much for joining us here over at DC Fintech Week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much for inviting me to appear in this presentation in this uh, FinTech Week. So, you know, I I think many uh, viewers, certainly um, who are at our conference, uh, may take perhaps Mpesa for granted a little bit because it's there and and it's been uh, such a spectacular uh, success. But maybe you could talk to us just a little bit about where Mpesa came from and what it took uh, on your end, or or at least on on, on Kenya, to get such an expansive program up and going. Uh, a little bit about, about the history of M-Pesa. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, delighted. Um, I am pretty sure most people in this conference have heard uh, the term M-Pesa, the product M-Pesa. And really, this, uh, the genesis of this is in uh, back in two, 20, 2007, really. Um, and uh, that is when it was launched. And basically what it does, it allows persons uh, to transfer um, money um, to other persons, so P2P transactions. The history of it is, in, and it uses the, your digital device. So with your phone, I can actually, uh, you can actually transfer money to me and I'll get the money, I'll receive the money um, instantly. The genesis of it is uh, that actually the, 
the company, Safaricom now as it is called, but at the time it was Vodafone, and, uh, and under a grant that was uh, given by the, uh, by the US government, no, the UK um, government, um, it, provide, it, did, it put together a project or it put together a product that allowed these transactions to happen. Now, when they brought the product to us, um, they said, well, we can do this, but uh, we don't know if there are any laws that we could, uh, that we need to obey, we need to follow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. At the time, there were no laws that actually allowed you or, um, to have this sort of transactions on the digital format. And so Safaricom worked closely with uh, the central bank uh, to come up with uh, a sort of a framework. Um, obviously, the central bank realized that this is a very interesting product, and uh, there was a clear need, a clear social need, because uh, transferring money between um, persons was actually a very complicated uh, operation here in Kenya. So a proper need and uh, good technology, but you also needed to be sure that the risks are taken care of. And that's why the central bank um, worked closely with Safaricom and in the, the innovator. And eventually when the product was ready, when uh, the risks were minimized, when maybe um, yeah, various risks in, in terms of transaction, financial stability, et cetera, were reduced sufficiently, the product was launched. So this was also launched under the basis of a test and learn. We were not sure what, uh, how the, this would, would, evolve, would, evolve, would evolve going forward. And so it was important to be clear that uh, we will learn as, uh, as time goes by and ad adjust it appropriately. Now, fast forward, um, in uh, 2013, actually we did put in place the national payment systems uh, regulations and an act, um, a law that actually, um, let's say, yeah, to define how these transactions would take place in this, in this space. And fast forward, the product has become very successful. And there are other products. Now it's not just M-Pesa. So um, the, the, for instance, in terms of uh, financial inclusion, in 2006, 26% uh, of our population were not include, were included. Or now it is, last year it was 83%. So there's a substantial increase in this regard. There's one last thing I want to mention in terms of the impact. We now have an ecosystem um, around M-Pesa, or it has actually developed into a sort of a, a big tree. So something started as a small stream, and now you have a sort of a mighty Mississippi, um, which is the entire ecosystem. So your point about uh, Kenya being the start of this fintech, um, and indeed also being the uh, let's say the credo of fintech is uh, is actually accurate. You, you know, there's so much in that answer that I think a lot of people sort of looking today at, at so many other new kinds of financial technologies and, and innovations and really the process of thinking through how to approach new innovations that, that I think people can, can learn from uh, uh, and, and, and to learn from the Kenyan experience. But, but just to, to make clear, I mean, it sounds like you had on the one hand, Sort of this 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 new product um, being brought in this particular instance by you know um, a, a telecom kind of 
company and, and, and they had this idea. And then there was a, a deep kind of collaboration and experimentation with the central bank. And then after sort of examining just sort of how um, the, the, the system would operate, uh, you, you had laws that were step-by-step were -step being developed um, um, as, as that product was being, um, I guess, mainstreamed. And, and now, as the world knows, the, the penetration of M-Pesa and sort of P2P uh, payment systems really, um, it, it's perhaps un unrivaled really anywhere where else. Uh, do, do you get a sense when you're talking to your colleagues, other central bankers around the world, uh, that that your experience has been informative of sort of, of conversations that people are having now when it comes to other kinds of innovative technologies? What kinds of things are, are people asking you, given uh, all of the success uh, that, that that you've had? Uh, first, there has been a lot of uh, questions by other, let's say, similar economies um, that want to, uh, that see the benefit of M-Pesa and they would want to have that uh, in their own countries. And actually there has been a good sort of porting of uh, the idea into other parts of the world, uh, Rwanda, Tanzania, um, and now Uganda, but have really um, made uh, significant steps. Uh, in this area, and also their financial inclusion numbers have uh, improved dramatically. But it's, it's not just Africa, it's actually other parts of the world. I remember, for instance, famously, um, a few years ago, maybe four years ago, I spoke in Paris um, at, the, at the National Treasury there. And uh, after talking about this, they were kind of, they were very curious and actually wanted to, um, to understand a lot more um, and really did see the benefit. So it's not just the, uh, let's say, emerging markets or for that matter, developing nations, but it's also the advanced economies. So your point earlier about uh, um, people who have been, uh, who are in the space, the advanced economy space, um, the United States elsewhere, um, also learning from this is uh, very much, uh, is accurate. So that's one uh, set of people or set of questions. The other one is the experience itself, distilling the experience. Um, and I think I have made the point to them that, uh, as you have explained, the, a key element, of course, is the innovation. But innovation was not sufficient. Um, it is necessary, but not sufficient. You also need a sort of a very innovative, innov innovative uh, regulator. So the issue of working, collaborating, as you said, with the regulator was key. And the other element, which is also very important, is appreciating the need of uh, what is there that, uh, what is the benefit to population? And that I think is, uh, is something that uh, is much more important today um, in the various other questions that we are having, for instance, when we discuss uh, cryptocurrencies and things like that, the question I would have is, what is, the, what is the need that they are feeling? Or is it just a technology, a new tool, and we are interested in just the technology, but not what it is going to help, uh, let's say, citizens, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the issues. So we've uh, been talking to other our peers and others around the world about our experience, and uh, we've distilled it, and uh, and I think it is beneficial. 
Um, so I think that's what I would, that's what I would say. So, so can I can I ask then uh, I guess two yes, questions? Um, and I think first, when with the introduction of of Impesa, you had mentioned this this boost in in financial inclusion. Um, uh, Impesa is a is a kind of a payments tool. Uh, was that financial inclusion um, in terms of the, the 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 unbanked becoming banked, or was it just in terms of the wider access to financial services as this ecosystem around Impesa uh, developed? Um, the answer to that, it is, uh, these were people that uh, within um, a particular, with access to financial services. So they are within, I think, uh, one and a half kilometers of a financial uh, touch point. Um, and so M-Pesa and the related services allowed them uh, to, be, to have had, or brought the financial services to the customer. So in some sense, you could think of uh, in the past when we were very heavy on banks, um, you measured financial access by you know how far are you from a banking system, a bank, a branch, etc. But now it is also, and uh, this is important. It is also all the touch points that relate to M-Pesa. For instance, there are a lot of agents, M-Pesa agents that actually uh, were. Um, in a sense, mushroomed around the country. And uh, you are able to move uh, from, uh, uh, let's say, a cash, uh, from cash to digital, um, your e-wallet, by just going down to, let's say, the nearest uh, kiosk, um, M-Pesa kiosk, giving them your cash, and then they load it into your e-wallet. And vice versa, you could also move out of your e-wallet to cash by going to all these agents. So it was access from that uh, fundamental thing. And I think it has led to other things, but uh, you had a second question. Yeah, the, well, then the second question was because, you know, you, you did mention this issue of, of, of cryptocurrencies. And, okay. you know, many, for, for many countries, you know, cryptocurrencies are coming onto the scene. You have co similar conversations about um, uh, sort of inclusion when it comes to more efficient and, and low cost uh, payment services. You know, uh, you're situated a little bit differently from many countries, precisely because of the penetration of, um, you know, M-Pesa and other kinds of, of payment systems. I mean, when you hear uh, and when you listen to buzzwords like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, stablecoins, whatever, you know, what's your sense of those technologies? Um, and, and, and do you see them as um, sort of part of, um, what will be your conversation in, in Kenya? Um, uh, or, or, or do you think that sort of where you are now, you know, there's a higher sort of burden uh, of, of proof uh, when it comes to, to, to demonstrating the value of those technologies, given the fact that you guys are so far ahead on, on the fintech uh, evolutionary curve? Thank you. Um... In terms of cryptos, etc., I think uh, we have to appreciate that they are, the technologies that they, they represent are very interesting and very good technologies. Um, so from a technological perspective, there is something there. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, the issue is there may be tools in search of a problem to resolve. And that's where our concerns on our questions are. I mean, early on, Bitcoin was, uh, in a sense, uh, 
you know, played up as uh, the new um, sort of do it all. Um, and I'm saying that also to be somewhat provocative and, uh, and also the technologies were put forward as um, something that, uh, you know, have uh, certain, I want to say powers um, in terms of, uh, let's say, uh, you, they're being, uh, let's say, uh, unable to break into them, etc. Now we know what has happened since then. History has revealed that uh, uh, those, let's say, um, those points that were put out there, or those properties, may or may, uh, may not have been, uh, uh, let's say, accurate. But the point I would make is uh, they do have a place. I mean, cryptocurrencies have a place, but it has to be clear that it is a specific place that uh, has properties. For instance, you need to be concerned about some, uh, um, you know, the, the, the potential negative side effects of this. And we've talked about uh, the issue of illicit, them supporting illicit transactions, etc. So you do need to have them in a place where, or in a space where those sort of concerns are taken care of. Um, secondly, the question is, is it just uh, for transactions, right? Um, because uh, as you say, here in Kenya, we do have significant transactions that are taking place um, through other channels. So the question is, what is the problem that uh, these cryptocurrencies are trying to resolve? Or is it the issue of anonymity? And when you get into anonymity, then uh, you have issues of AML, CF, I mean, money laundering and all those other concerns. And uh, anonymity may not be uh, one an issue that, let's say, the vast majority of the population are interested in. So my point is the space of uh, cryptocurrencies needs to be you know, well mapped out. Frankly, it has looked more as a, a sort of a speculative investment. Um, again, trying to be provocative, um, it could re really be like tulips, you know, in the golden days, um, or for that matter, all the other speculations that, uh, or let's say, bubbles that we have had. And frankly, today, you know, Bitcoin is more of, uh, and, uh, and other coins, similar coins, um, are more of an investment thing, right? You put money in it and you hope that uh, you're going to get twice as, uh, well, a return of X percent in so many months or years or whatever it is. So that's one set of things. But on the other hand, you do have the other issue of other currencies. Um, and this, uh, if, uh, Chris, you want me to say something about CD, CBDs? Well, I was about to, you're, you're, you're definitely reading my mind. Um, uh, you know, oh, please you, go ahead, ask the question. No, no, no. I, uh, uh, because it's just such an interesting space in which you find your, your yourself in, and 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 you know the, the conversation on CBDCs. You know what what uh, number one differentiates that then from something like um, uh, Bitcoin, right? And then and then and uh, from from your mind. And then secondly, as again someone who's running a very highly sophisticated payments infrastructure, one that is not necessarily being driven through the central bank, but certainly uh, involves some collaboration and lots of supervision by various um, kinds of actors. You know, what what do you see as, as, as when you hear about CBDCs, what do you hear about the okay. use case and the value uh, for Kenya? Okay, so CBD, 
this is a central bank digital currencies. So the there is actually a, um, a lot of, let's say, discussion and a lot of work um, about around this uh, by central banks and others, BIS, etc. And uh, we are involved in it uh, sort of on the margins, but uh, we are also involved in it in various ways. Um, the only point I would make, well, maybe I, let me make several points on this. First is that I think from my perspective, um, the push came very much because of the private cryptocurrencies and the way those uh, sort of mushroomed. And I think we felt, uh, central bankers felt left out. And we sort of said, well, maybe this is our space. Now, central banks wouldn't go in the same way private um, sort of uh, currencies or coins would. Um, what do I mean by that? I mean, central bankers do understand their fundamental mandate. And their mandates really relate to, obviously, price stability and other things, financial stability, et cetera. And so the idea here is, could we as central banks or could I as central bank, um, true to its mandate, use this tool in a way to achieve uh, efficiently uh, um, the purpose that was set out in our acts, in our charter, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's really where the conversation is today. And uh, there was a recent uh, report by uh, the well, various central banks in the advanced economies plus uh, the BIS, precisely on sort of uh, what uh, the principles of uh, such a, a central bank digital currency would be. What are the principles that uh, of or this uh, digital currency would need to um, to abide by? Now, my point in this is uh, we will look at it. And we should look at this thing and see whether there is a potential for ourselves, you know, doing our work better. The point, the only point here is that, uh, I mean, one could ask, but already um, central banks do provide currencies to, uh, or do provide, uh, let's say, liabilities. Um, it will be a central bank liability to, to banks, right? So what is different? They, they, Critical difference here is that the liabilities would be available, meaning the currency would be available to the general public. And today now, and it wouldn't be cash. Today now, the only way, um, let's say a private citizen would hold a central bank liability would be generally, would be through cash. Now, I want to say that uh, the problem is there's another, uh, let's say push in all this, which is what I would call the death of cash. Um, but I think, unfortunately, the death of cash has been greatly exaggerated and, uh, and it will be with us for some time. And from our perspective, it's true, our cash demands have gone down, but they'll not, they haven't gone down to zero. We still have significant demands. And, and this, I think, is something that we need to, um, to look at carefully um, because it's not that we want to go into a cash-less economy. I think we should be going to a less cash economy. And in that space, you still have the current arrangements and they seem to be doing generally okay, um, both in terms of efficiency and also in terms of speed, etc. Well, Governor, this has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you so very much for joining us. 
you know, I, I, uh, there are a lot of lessons that we have to, to learn um, around the world, really, uh, from, from your experience, from Kenya's experience, and your time has been um, extremely appreciated. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for, um, for spending time with me. What struck me most about my conversation with Governor Jirogi is the fact that even with all the innovation and talk of disintermediation and novelty that is common in today's conversations, even fintech history can repeat itself. There is a kind of a loop or dance in our sector where new technologies are devised, brought to regulatory authorities, and then evaluated, where perhaps things get interesting and diverge on regulatory and political cycles is what authorities do next. Do they give technologies a free ride? Do they ban them outright and fail to give them a chance? Or do they do their homework, kicking the tires to estimate the potential trade-offs for investors in the financial system? Here in Kenya, I think, is a story that seems to have more than a happy ending and one that deserves close attention from the rest of the world. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>